Hi, and welcome to my Independence Report, the podcast that no one listens to except me. Since no one's listening, I have the freedom to say what's in my heart and to create anything I want. (laughs) How good is that? At least for me. So now I'm going to present new ideas, thoughts, and comments on past and current events, stories from my job, a view from the seat, as well as the best of, episodes from the various shows I did in the past, and even stories about life between lives called Death Isn't Real. So since no one really knows about this podcast, I might as well get started. And oh, by the way, thanks for not listening. And welcome to another podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that we can provide you with some fun stuff today. Now, the subtitle of the musings of a couple of guys is one straight and one's not. In our last podcast, it became pretty apparent who was who. So I'd like to continue on that along that theme then talk to Michael about about what it's like. Because I know what it's like to be a straight guy in America. You meet a girl, you settle down, you get a picket fence, you, you uh, have a couple of kids, you get old, you get divorced, and you hate each other. No, wait a minute, that's not right. Um, but that, that's kind of how it plays out sometimes. But what's it like? First of all, Michael, how are you today? I am good. How are you today? I am excited to be talking to you again. You know, I enjoyed our last podcast very much, and we were talking about acting and the metamorphosis of, of, of all of that, but we didn't really talk about personal stuff. And today I would like to go there a little bit because there are, there are a lot of, for personal opinion, there's a lot of misinformation and there's a lot of ignorant people out there who do not understand what it's like to be a gay man in America. And you have consented to talk about that in depth as best you can about those misconceptions of, of what people do and, and uh, not, not what you guys do behind closed doors, but how people pr- present themselves to you and what was it like. So the first question, the first thing that I would like you to um, to clarify, because there are people, ignorant people I'll grant you, but people in this world who still believe that your interest in who you want to love is a choice rather than something else. Could you kind of talk about that a little bit? Is being gay a choice, I guess, would be the question I would ask? Ah, yes. Well, that is the time-tested question that never seems to have an answer until one day if somehow scientifically they come up and say, well, yes, we've isolated the gay gene or we found the thing in your brain that causes you to do this. And then they can finally say, no, it is not a choice. It is genetic, but they haven't been able to do that yet. So we still have many people who think that at some age in our life, somebody knocks on our door and gives us a form, and we have to choose at that point whether we're going to be gay or straight. And, of course, we all really know that that doesn't happen because then the straight people would have had the same form, and there's no record of those hanging around anywhere. So, um, so of course, I tend to think, uh, uh, now, I have to remember, I am not speaking for millions of gay people. So my personal opinion is this, is that it is not a choice. 
Um, but in a weird way, I think that what is natural in the human being that will, especially when you're young and you don't know what you are yet, there are things that can occur in your life um, with people, in situations that can, oh, and I hate to say this, nurture or bring out that quality of you. You know, why does a young man at 12 years old take a fancy to <sighs> fabulous showgirl costumes, let's say? It's not because of the women in it. That's all I can tell you. There's something that has sparked his interest in being a costume designer. Now, I'm not saying all costume designers are gay because they're not. That was merely one little thing. All I, re all I remember is being 10, 11, 12 years old in there. You're going through puberty. We were raised Catholic, um, not strictly Catholic, but uh, I was raised to think that sex was a, a wonderful thing between two loving people, uh, uh, usually a man and a woman. And uh, you weren't supposed to think of women in a dirty sexual way because that was wrong. Unfortunately, I grew up in a household where my father had a subscription to Playboy magazine um, because my father uh, is, for the lack of a better word, a walking, talking penis. And uh, he... Sex just ran his life. He finds sex jokes hysterical. That's where I get it from. He makes fun of everything sexual. And he loved beautiful women. And Playboy, which was actually quite respected at the time because, yeah, it had photographs of nude women. But in retrospect, you look back, they were all fairly tasteful. And yeah. the magazine also had good articles and good writing, and uh, so, you know, it wasn't considered l as lewd as some of the other magazines that were coming out at the time that were much more graphic and much more sexual, and, um, but, you know, my first exposure, like a lot of young boys, was seeing a Playboy magazine, but looking at pictures of naked women, I remember thinking, it's like, I'm not supposed to be looking at this. I'm not supposed to be looking at naked women. And I'm not sure how I got that driven into me, if, whether it was because it's my age that I'm not supposed to be looking at them or, you know, I'm only, I'm only supposed to wait till I find my true love wife and then, uh, you know, religion tells you she's your one and only and uh, she's the only one that you get to see naked and have relations with. You know, that's what the church does. That's what some society does. So I had that there. My father, I always say was, and then correct myself, is a Marine. Once a Marine, you're always a Marine. And, you know, had lifetime subscriptions to uh, Playboy. He is a member of the National Rifle Association. He voted for Ross Perot in that election. And by all accounts, I should be straight. Given that, just that background alone should have made me straight. 
but it wasn't happening. And this was before my parents divorced and we moved away and I lost the contact of my father figure for many years. Something was already happening within me. And, and of course, at that time, you could never tell what it is. You don't know what it is. Nobody is coming to give you a choice. Nobody is. And of course, you're, nobody's talking to you about it because they don't ever think that you have the possibility of being gay. They're talking to you about women and marriage and all these things that you're supposed to be doing that is assumed that you're going to be doing. Nobody talks to you about, you know, homosexuality other than if it's ever brought up is that it's wrong or it's not normal. It's in the Bible, whatever. I hadn't even read the Bible at the time, so I didn't know what it said. But if it was against God, that was strike one. So, but well, you have things to, were you happening. Have to, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just going to say things were happening within you. Now, in my just in context, my first remembering of uh, of somebody that I had a, a, a stirring for was mm-hmm. there was a girl and she was walking away from me and I just enjoyed the shapely shape that God gave her rear end in the pants that she was wearing. And I was thinking, Hmm, that's good looking right there. But didn't you? (laughs) So, so for me, that was kind of like, went down that road. But, but at the same time, didn't your mother also do something and buy a prescription to something around that time that, uh, tell us that story. Oh, my God. How do you even remember that? Um, no, because I know what you're talking about. She did. It was it was a gift. I think it was for her birthday. And one of her girlfriends bought her a Playgirl magazine. Now, somehow I remember seeing it on the desk or I don't know what it was. And I and I don't remember who was on the cover, some picture of a man. But I just saw Playgirl and I instantly went, huh, well, there's a. Playboy magazine is that is that something that's in the same vein and I remember I think it was my mom but she said well it is but it's you know it's for women it's it's for women you know Playboy is for men and Playgirl is for women and I was like oh and then I never saw the magazine again at least for a while um then one day oh I guess I have to cop to snooping through my parents' bathroom or something. I don't know. But in my mother's vanity, I opened the drawer and there was this Playgirl magazine. And again, not having any clue of what it was, I just went, oh, okay, well, you know, and I may be, let's let's say 11, 11. So I opened it up and I don't remember what I got to, but eventually found some pages with nude men. Now, I had never seen any pictures of nude men. I had never seen I had never seen another penis in my entire life except for my father, which I know sounds gross, but that was actually when I was like eight years old and he was trying to teach me how to take a shower as opposed to taking a bath because I was getting too big for the bathtub. So here's how you take a shower. So he told me to just, you know, come in the bathroom, he was he was in the shower himself, and then he was going to get out and show me how to take a shower and how to work the controls and all that. So that's all I remember, and I think that was, you know, I saw my father's penis at the time, and knowing what I had and what he had, I was pretty much assuming that that's what we all had. Every man had that same thing. 
Well, the Playgirl magazine proved me wrong. Uh, now, I don't know if you remember, but Playgirl at the time was doing semi-celebrity centerfolds. And one of the celebrities for that magazine was a man named Peter Lupus. And he had been a television star in, I think it was Mission Impossible. And he was big and tall. He was like six foot four. And he was in the TV show. He was hired to be like the muscle. You know, he was the strong guy. And he was a very handsome man, dark hair. And he had been a professional bodybuilder. Well, so he was the featured celebrity that magazine. And I recognized him, so I was curious. I was like, well, you know, here's the first page and the second page. And then, of course, we get into the pages where, you know, Mr. Happy decides to make his debut. And um, he did not have the same kind of penis that myself or my father had. In fact, it was um, huge, and uh, it was displayed as such in the magazine. And I just kept looking at it like, oh, my God, what? is that, is that real? You know, is that natural? Is that, you know, I hadn't finished puberty yet and I'm looking at this huge man with a long, long penis. And I'm just like, wow, I had no idea that that was even possible. So then I will cut to the future and just say, thus began my long obsession with the penis because I wanted to now know what everybody had. You know, and it wasn't so much, it wasn't so much sexual. It was like, well, hey, you know, I recently found out that not all penises are the same. So I'm curious, what do you have? You know, that was literally what I was thinking. You know, I've seen my dad's, I've seen mine, and now there's this guy. So I just found out that we've all got different ones. And this is kind of fascinating to me. Anyway, so that's how that kind of began. And then I gradually, I saw a couple of Hustler magazines, which was more, were much more graphic, and actually on occasionally featured spreads that had men and women in it, making it look like they were in the act of sex, but of course nothing was actually touching, and because they couldn't do that for obscenity laws, but they made it look, you know, like here's a man with an erect penis about to enter this woman. And that was the photo. And I was fascinated by that because not only had I, I'm now seeing other erect penises, but I'm seeing a woman's vagina for the first time, which, you know, uh, to be honest, kind of scared me. But I was like, okay, I know it goes, I know it goes in there, but I'm not sure exactly how. And, and what is all this other stuff around it? I, I'm not really sure, you know, so I had to do the scientific method and look things up in the books and have things described to me. And uh, now I had already had the sex talk a long time ago, so I knew how it worked, but I never had actually seen it. Right. So here I am now, 11 or 12 years old, running around looking at every adult man's crotch, wondering what they have, not realizing that it's really I shouldn't be doing that. But but do you see what I'm saying? That that but incident should... or those series series of incidents somehow sparked something within me. Yeah. Now, I had seen Playboy magazine. I had seen uh, Play or Hustler magazine. I had seen women sexualized. Why wasn't I attracted to that and more so the man? What was it about? Was it because I was raised to think, no, 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 you don't think of women in sexual terms. That's wrong. That's nasty. That's dirty. 
But there were no rules for men because nobody ever talked about that. So I was left I, to my I own think, devices. Well, Mike, I, I, th- I think really honestly it is more that has to do with – because I've had this discussion with, with people that say, oh, no, it's a, it's a choice. And, first of, and I say, first of all, nobody in his right mind would make a choice to make their life that much more difficult. And, and number one, number two is no, yeah. you you don't control who you are attracted to. And for me, I'm attracted to the female form, and any male that I'm attracted to looks like a female mm-hmm. form, because that's what I, <laughs> I, 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 right, that's, yeah. To make any sense, like like in the locker room or whatever, a guy walking away. If he's got a, if he's got a butt that looks like a girl's, I look at it, okay. But if it's got, yeah, you'll kind of, notice it because, yeah, it looks like a girl. But uh huh. In and and but in my case, I cannot remember ever one time, not once. And I looked at played girl at that time too, and and my thought was, oh, gross. How could that, you know, and, and, uh, I looked at women because I would, that's what, it wasn't that anybody told me to do that. That's just mm-hmm. what made me have those stirrings, if you know what I mean. Right. You know, so I had the opportunities to look at both men and women naked, graphically, you know, um, you know, I, I hate to be graphic, but, you know, some of those Hustler magazine's photo spreads were literally spreads, if you know what I mean. It you know, be, with it women could, legs apart, and it was it, like, geez, that's, you know, that's a little graphic. But, it could be a kind you know, of logical exam. Yeah, and, you know, and then the men's were, men were always shown with erections and about to do something that they can't show. And so it was heightened. It was like, oh, my God, this is this is sex or about to be sex. And, um, you know, that's that I hate to say it, but it was a bit of an education and it was a bit of, Oh, I I just don't know. But it was like, I, if I clearly had the choice to choose between men or women, I saw both. I had the opportunities to be both. And for a while I thought, well, yeah, women are sexual, but what I was really, was really focusing in on is not so much the woman herself, but it was a, it was the act of sex that was about to happen that was attracting me, not so much that it was the woman being sexual object. It was, you know, wow, I'm about to witness something that we normally don't get to see or we're allowed to see, you know, and that's when porn films were big and in the seventies and, uh, Things like that. It was the, wow. You're actually getting to watch people have sex, and you normally aren't allowed to do that. <laughs> so it 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 maybe it was kind of like it was it was attracting me because it was deep down I knew it was something I wasn't supposed to do, and I was being tempted. And it was like, well, you know, here's here's this act of sex, and you're not supposed to be looking at it, so you have to make a choice: put it away or keep looking. And you know, I, I guess know for you, lack of a better word, I kept I, looking. I kept looking. And, exactly. you know, now, now the religious fanatics out there can turn this into, well, see, this is where the devil was testing you and you had a clear choice and you chose the wrong thing. So there it is a choice. You chose to live that way. It's like a, an 11 or 10 year old does not know the ramifications of choosing a lifestyle, and I even hate that word, but choosing a life that's going to be fraught with 
all the despair that it has to offer. And so it is not a choice. No one would ever choose that. I remember a comedian once saying, he goes, why would we choose? That? I mean, what would our slogan be? You know, hey, you know, how would we how would we be recruiting people to come join us? And be guys say, hey, come join us. Everybody hates us and we have no rights. Yay. You know. <laughs> Does that sound like something you want to do? Is that, you know, are you choosing to go into something that's going to be a potentially miserable life simply because of a sexual attraction? It's like, no, I, I think if I was given that, you know, and there are times when I have honestly said to myself, yes, had I gotten married and had kids and was straight, yes, I would have what's called a normal life. But that doesn't mean it would have been without heartache or pain or anything just because I got married and had kids. In fact, I know too many gay men that did get married when they were younger and they knew that they were gay or they, they knew they were bisexual and they all got married for the same reason, because they thought it would go away. And they thought that by living a straight lifestyle and all of that, that it would eventually go away. And one of those men was my Uncle Phil, who was married in the early 60s to his childhood sweetheart. And they were a great couple. We loved them both dearly. And in, um, oh, the mid-70s somewhere, he finally realized that he was gay. He was always gay. And he couldn't live the way he was living anymore. It was a lie. He was living a lie to himself. And as many men discovered that, that they just, it doesn't go away. It doesn't just suddenly go away on the altar. And now, in retrospect, they've, you know, I'll put it bluntly, they've ruined the life for some woman. They've messed up their kids, all for the sake of them now realizing that they're going to go be happy with their new boyfriend. And it's not really quite like that, but that is kind of what happened. I, I asked my best friend, uh, Erica, I said, which is more offensive to you or which is more harder for you to take? If your husband tells you that he's leaving you for another woman or leaving you for another man. And she said, well, it would be for another man because with the woman I can at least compete with, you know, there's, right. there's something about, you know, but with another man, you suddenly realize you know, you think your life has been a total lie. You think this person has been lying to you for 10, 15, 20 years all this time. And the funny thing about that is all of the guys that I have talked to about that, including my first partner who was like that, they still loved their wives in an odd way, or they loved them because they were friends. They were always right. friends. And that was the thing. So they had love for them. They had this care and love for them but because they had to do this thing to live true to themselves it made it look like you know to the wife it was an, a, a terrible terrible thing and that's why it's always hard for a woman whose husband comes out as gay and then uh leaves them to you know it's like they're going they're getting out of the closet and now the woman has to go in right. and i told myself after listening to many of those stories that i'm glad i never did that i am glad i never got married to a woman and had kids and did all those things I was supposed to do that society tells me I'm supposed to do. And then I, I couldn't have done that to another person. I couldn't have ruined her life or made her life invalid for 15 years. I couldn't have done that 
to my kids and have to go through that and explain things to that. And it's more and more common now. There are more, you know, I, I've heard of stories of people where, yeah, they've gone through it, but everybody's fine now and, and all that. And, but in my uncle's case, it was very bitter. Um, his wife was so angry. And this is just hearsay, but I, there were rumors that sh she was threatening him to never let him see his kids again, things like that, because she was so angry. He had ruined her life. They had had this wonderful thing together, and now he was taking it all away from her. And she was pissed. So, you know, and how do you deal with that? Her boys were young at the time, my cousins, so... You know, but he and, he, and he wasn't trying to forget his responsibility to his boys. He just knew that he had to go off and live a life. Now, he was, at the time this happened, I got it, hold on, 34, 64, 64, he was only in his early 30s when this had happened. So he was still pretty young. And, um, and I remember it happening. I was about 15, and I remember my mom saying, I asked my mom once about, you know, why did, why did they get a divorce? And she just kind of quietly said to me, she goes, well, your uncle has um, decided that he is a homosexual. <laughs> you know, in the sweetest night, you know, I said, oh, he decided that, did he? And, you know, the clues, the clues were all there because he was always coming over to our house and he had a friend with him. Oh, sure. You know, and... And everybody was, and that's how he was described as his friend. And my mom was fine and everybody was fine. And, you know, it just sort of seemed like everybody was fine. Of course, that's another story about how it all ended and other stuff came out. But, you know, when I'm 15, you know, when you're 15, it's a tough age. Parents still look at you as a kid and they don't want to tell you things because they don't think right. you're ready to handle it. But what they don't realize is that most kids at 15 are much more able to deal with stuff than you give them credit for. I knew what homosexuality was, but I also knew that it was supposed to be wrong and that it was not something you discussed and, you know, not something that, you know, you, brought, you just sort of let it be. And, and, of course, at 15, you know, I've now been 12 years into puberty and you know, masturbating furiously when I came home from school because that's what was happening to my body. So, right. but, but your parents don't think of that. They don't think that you're going through that. You know, you don't get talked to about that. I wasn't being asked why I didn't have a girlfriend yet because I was only 15. There was time. But right. what was happening to me at that time were many, many other things, you know, and I still kept thinking all this time, okay, yeah, I'm eventually going to get married. I'm going to have kids. I, I even once had a, I had a list of children's names once that I would name my children because I just thought that's eventually going to happen. It's going to happen. This is just what happens. And, you know, of course, over time it was like, okay, when is this thing supposed to happen? You know, all, all the while realizing by the time I was 18 that, there was something else going on, and um, I had only just really began to explore that at 18. Um, you know, I turned 18 in May of 1980. So we're really still in the last part of the 70s at that point. And um, uh, I had, 
Uh, oh, okay, I have to say this. I lost my virginity in May of 1980. Not to a girl. My senior year in high school. And uh, I will also now say to the world that I am a proud member of the Never Had Sex with a Woman Club. Um, but I kept waiting for it to happen. I kept thinking, how does this happen? Because it seemed so difficult to have sex with a woman. You had to go through all of this stuff. You know, you had to take them out to dinner and date them. And, <laughs> and, and some, you know, there was the loose girls you always heard about. But they scared me, actually. And then there was, um, but then the ones you liked, you had to, you know, I knew of couples in high school that had dated for years, and you just looked at the guy, and he was wa walking around with a look on his face of like, oh, my God, how much longer do I have to wait? You know, and, you know, we just, we called them blue balls. But, uh, yeah. So I didn't understand. I wasn't figuring this out. It's like, okay, I've dated. I've gone, I went to homecoming and senior prom and all that with some girls and, and everything was fine. But the rest of it wasn't happening and I couldn't figure out why. But then suddenly something did happen with somebody, somebody that I knew from junior high. We were now both seniors in high school. I said something to him off the cuff. And then the next thing I know, it's like I'm getting invited over to his house. And I remember thinking, uh, you know what? I, I wasn't really under, under, I didn't understand what I was doing or what was happening, but I went to his house. And the funny thing was, is his mother was there, <laughs> but he lived in his bedroom was downstairs in the basement. And I remember him saying to his mother, literally, uh, this is my friend Mike. Uh, so we're going to be downstairs and we're going to have the music on or something like that, which was, I don't know, a clue, a, a, you know, don't disturb us. We're going to be working on homework and listening to music. I don't know. That was code. So, but that was code, but I don't know if his mother knew anything or if that was just him. And so I'm just literally sort of blindly following a lead here. I, I obviously had a clear choice to say no, but I also didn't know exactly what was going to happen either. And so we went into his bedroom, and I, I honestly don't remember every detail, and I'm not going to go into all of it, but basically I lost my virginity to him. And I remember leaving thinking, you know, being just sort of very neutral in a weird way, like it wasn't amazing it wasn't terrible but oh i should perhaps explore this again because this is new to me and i do remember one time just showing up to his house and knocking on his door and saying basically what could have been you know hi i'm here do me but it wasn't really it wasn't really quite like that but he knew why i was there and and then here's the funny thing so that was in may of 1980 we graduate June 10th of 1980. I have never seen this man again. I don't know where he is. I, you know, because after that, you know, this was a time, remember, we did not have Facebook. We did not right. have cell phones. We did not have ways to message people or keep in touch. You had to have their phone number and or an address. And that fall, a lot of people went off to school, to college. You didn't know where they were or how to get a hold of them. It wasn't easy. The only thing I think I ever knew was that 
at some, I'd heard he'd become a lawyer and was living down in Los Angeles. That's all I ever knew. But his name is rather common, so it's difficult to try to look him up. Because I will sure. tell you, I have been curious as to what has happened to him. You know, and not, and not always necessarily like, geez, you know, we are the same age. You know, did, did he get caught up in the, you know, gay community? You know, he could be dead for all I know with AIDS and everything that was coming out. Or he could be just fine. But my joke is that I've always wanted to get a hold of him, call him on the phone and, you know, say, hi, Boa. So I said, I just want you to let you know you have something of mine. And have it say what? And I could say my virginity. But, but that was my first sexual experience. And then after that, after high school, it just sort of became, okay, you know, this seems to be, and it was weird. It was like, it was like, wow, this is great. I really enjoy this. Men are great. It just seemed so natural. It was just like, well, this is just what I do, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. women were women were still hard to get a hold of. You know, it's like okay, well, if I want to do that, I have to, I have to meet somebody. This person I already knew. I knew him for years. I didn't have to go through all the rigmarole just to get to know him. Only, you know, and with a girl, it would be like, well, I've got to ask somebody on a date. I, I'm not old enough to go to the bars. I don't have a girlfriend from high school. Um, you know, so it just it just kept never happening. Well, see, the thing is, Mike, when you are um, uh, driven by the female sex like like I am, you find uh -huh. a way. You, you, right. you go to get a job so that you can take them out. You go pursue them. You go do that stuff. It, for you, and, it, I, when, and all the time that I've known you, the only times that you have ever really it's like, it's like your relationship with my ex-wife was purely for, uh, of a, a fun relationship she knew yeah. that you were not a threat in any way to try and take advantage of her so it opened up actually a deeper relationship between you and i know you and erica have the same thing by the way i want erica to come on the show when she if, if she would like to you guys are kicked together it would be fun to listen to well the two of you. and as i recall i would leave you two to banter because it's like oh good let's watch kevin and erica debate politics <laughs> you know, Jennifer, I just sit there with a bucket of popcorn and go, okay, go. This will be fun. <laughs> exactly. But, but uh, no, well, a couple, no, the thing with, a couple of points. Oh, oh, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, but with, with your ex, I don't know if we're going to be officially calling her her name or not. But um, again, I liked her just because she was nice and she was sweet and I made her laugh. And of course, that's always a good starting point. Um, but when it was clear, you know, I think with women, I think that's why women have relationships with gay men is because they realize they can have a male friend who's not going to be hitting on them. Right. You know, it's like, it's like, I forget what movie it was, but some guy says, you know, oh, I think it was uh, when Harry met Sally with uh, Billy Crystal. And he says, you know, men and women can't be friends because men are always going to be wanting to have sex at some point. They can't just be just friends because sex the sex question is always going to come up. And I kind of think in a way that's true. So when you're a gay man and you're um, having a relationship with a woman and that, that point gets taken out, it's easy then for the woman to say, okay, this is a great 
guy or a great friend. He's fun. He's nice. And the sexual threat is long gone. You know, and then when they date another guy, like when she started dating you, it was a different relationship because there are other things happening. And I'm not talking just sex, but she's looking at you as a potential mate. You're looking at her as a potential mate and all these things. And, you know, you guys dated over two, two and a half years before you got married, which I think, first of all, was, is a great thing. I know some people get married too quickly, but, you know, it's like you guys got to know each other and you became friends with each other. You did everything together, almost that I can recall. Jennifer was very rarely alone unless she was at work or ironically, I was with her. And by that time, you trusted me with her. So there was no issue. Sure. The funny thing was, is, you know, it was Jennifer's parents. You know, yep. they hated me because they thought I was initially a threat to you and her. And then they figured out I was gay, and then they just didn't want a gay guy hanging around their daughter. So they hated me on both fronts. But, but yeah, so that's why we all worked, because Jennifer had a guy friend that wasn't a threat to her. She had a guy who was romantically interested. We all got along. We all friended. We had fun together. I remember teaching you guys how to ski and yep. taking you up on the slopes and watch Jennifer and I standing down below, watching you come down and just not quite completing that turn and, and shooting down the slope and shooting down the slope at 80 miles an hour because, you know, I was, we were like, like, turn, turn. Like, no, that wasn't. And so, you know, great, great fun times. And that was, I guess that's kind of rare nowadays. You know, I see a lot of girls at school now who are, all the gay guys, all the gay kids at school, and they're all friends, and, and they all know it's because they're gay, and that's why they're their best friend, because there's no threat. But then they all sit there and moan and complain about how they have no love in their life, and there's no whatever. It's like, I don't know. I can't help you there. But I've digressed, so I forgot where we were, but take me I, back. Well, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you a, a question, but before I go there, I have one statement to make, and that okay. is that. Uh, as far as the Bible and uh, um, and it's talking about uh, gay marriage or being gay, uh, first of all, the only reference to that is in Deuteronomy. And I can't remember if it's right before it says that if your son talks back to you, you take him outside and stone him, or if Ooh. it's about cutting people's arms off if, if they steal and stuff. But it's somewhere in there. And the other one is yeah. when people... When people say to me, as a, a person that I know has said to me, well, you know, it's a sin. It's a sin to be gay. And I said, well, Mom, it's – oh, I, oops, I said that. Okay, but, so, but Mom, it's not a sin if God ordained it and it's part of our natural way of being. And she said, well, they can be gay. They just can't act on it. And it's like, okay, so you are advocating then – that somebody who loves another human being should not act on that love because you think that it's wrong according to the God that you worship, I'm here to tell you that's a bunch of bullshit. You should yeah. be able to love whoever you wish. And well, we'll need another two or three hour podcast for that discussion about the Bible because I do certainly do have my thoughts on it. But yeah. um, I try not to well, be no. terribly harshly opinionated. Um you know, when it comes to the Bible, I haven't read the whole damn thing. And, and I honestly know very few people who have and actually claim to have enjoyed it. So, um, but the Bible, 
especially a lot of those sections that give out rules and say you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. But people cherry pick those, you know, the same, the, you know, our favorite chapter of course is Leviticus where he sets out all these wonderful rules, but nobody ever talks about the other ones that are in there that nobody seems to pay a mind to now. Right. You know, it's just they all pull out, a man shall not lay with another man as with a woman. It is a sin and they shall be, their bloodlust is upon them, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they also talk, you know, he talks about not being able to wear clothing made of two separate materials and can't eat shellfish and you can sell your daughter into slavery. What's a fair price for that? Um, you can take slaves from your neighboring countries, but not your own, you know, and it's just like, why aren't those as powerful as the one you're quoting really hard and i remember finally trying to read all of it and i kind of went you know aren't these the rules that were being laid down for um the uh the jews that you know after the ten commandments and all this stuff and they went out and aren't these the rules that were being laid down for them you know i said i wonder if this is and this is just me wondering but i i were those rules that were laid out just specifically for them at that time? Because what God wanted was for them to go out to have the uh, uh, the generations that had lived through everything to die out first. And obviously the way to rebuild population is by male and female copulation and not male and male. It's just a crazy right. thought. But but no, I'm thinking, wasn't it just rules for those people at that time and not rules for the world for time, you know, ad infinitum? And because if that's the case, there are a lot of other rules that, you know, we're not paying attention to. Well, so, exactly. Well, you see, the, the thing is, back then, Mike, they had just left uh, Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, and, they, and Moses had just taken them into the Sinai. And they spent 40 years in the Sinai, and these are the rules that God put together or that, or that the elders put together so that you could have this group of people live together in relative harmony and peace without, but mm-hmm. you can, because you can't have people, you know, having sex with other people and stuff in the confines of this small space. So mm-hmm. they, that's, that's why those, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. By the way, I wanted to ask you before I forget. Are are do you still follow the Oscars the way you did? Um, you know, I follow them, but I will tell you that I I see far less movies than I used to. Um, partly, um, ironically, here in Missoula, we only have two major movie complexes. Um, I don't have a car, so one of them is difficult to get to, and. Uh, and if I do, I have to go see a movie earlier in the day or in the early evening so I can catch the bus back home because if I get out of a movie at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, I have no way to get home. Um, right. We have a couple of little art house movie theaters that show, like there's one right now um, that is showing like all the Oscar nominees and things like that. But I tend just not to get to as many as I used to. Believe it or not, I, I maybe see now one or two movies a year just because it's gotten so expensive and it's hard for me to get to them. You know, when I was living in downtown Seattle, I had, geez, I had how many theaters that were within walking distance or when I had a car, it was just easy to drive to the, this complex or that complex. And, but now it's just, it's a little more inconvenient for me. So, 
But I, I try to keep up on the films, and you know, I'm certainly interested in great performances. When I when I see who's finally nominated, I'll be like, ah, okay, I should go see that film or whatever, just to kind of keep up on it. But no, I am not quite the fanatic I was back then. Um, well, I do want to do a podcast about the Oscars and about what do, and, and, and we'll we'll figure that out as we go down the way. Now, by the way, it is uh, time for us to wrap up this. Con- now we have barely, okay. barely, barely. I know. See, because I talk so damn much. So I, I, I can't, you know, I have, we have so much to say on all, you know, I want to answer whatever questions you have, but I guess it's just hard for me sometimes to keep it short. I don't know. Well, what we're going to talk about on our next podcast is, and that will be next week, is okay. I want to know what's it like? What was it like to live through the horrific times of the early, early 80s? as a gay right. American and uh, how yeah. tough was it to watch friends um, die and, and the yeah. fear of them. Well, that's a, certainly a story itself. And again, my story is only my story. I have people that have much worse horror story. You know, I, I've heard of people that they claim that literally thousands of friends and I'm like, I don't even have a hundred friends. How can you have a thousand? You know, it's like it's kind of like Facebook today when you look down and somebody says they have 3,722 friends. And I'm like, no, you don't. Nobody has that many. You just said yes to everybody that asked you. You know, I have like 100, I have 140 and half of them I don't even talk to regularly. So, um, but yeah, it was a far different time than it is now. Um, I hit it, you know, just briefly before we go, but I mean, In 1983, which was when the New York Times article first came out about gay cancer and this thing, I had just turned 21. So I was really just legally entering the party and was ready to go, only to find out that the party was wrapping up because something had ruined it and... People were leaving and people were dying and nobody knew what was going on. And it seemed like every year for 10 years, we were being told of some other way you could get AIDS. And, you know, it was, it was a very fearful time, but yet, but yet the gay community was still out there. People were still finding ways to have sex and relate to each other. It's a, it's a human instinct. It's a primal instinct to do that. So people found ways to continue it while this was still going on. So with that said, we'll wait for the next time. Yes, yes indeed. Is there anything you'd like to add before we go, my friend? Um, we are rapidly getting to the time of year here when as much as I love to see snow and have winter, I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> so we, we just we just came into February, and we're actually now having probably the coldest spell we will have had all winter. Um, but usually by the end of February, in four weeks, it, it is starting to change a little bit. The snow, the permanent snow that's on the ground starts to melt down a little bit, and it gets a little warmer. We can still get snow. I mean, we've had... We had uh, snow on Mother's Day two years in a row. Now, not like a snowstorm, but just, you know, where it hit the ground, but it actually was cold enough where pellets of snow or snow was coming down, and you're like, oh, my God, this is May. But 
we're 3,000 feet up in the Rockies, so, you know, it can, it can be that way. But generally, by the end of February, things start changing. March and April, spring is coming in. And uh, uh, so it's just, it's just nice to, you know, not have to go check the mail and wear three layers of clothing and boots to go do it. You can actually just put on a shirt and a pair of pants real quick and run out and get the mail. But well, it's I still winter it. other than that. Yes, indeed. And, and you're getting... And it's the, very getting... pretty. You know, it's very pretty here. It's I will say that. It's beautiful when it snows here. The trees, the campus, the university campus is stunning in the snow. And, you know, it's just pretty. But when you have snow on the ground constantly from, say, mid-December to now, you get used to it. It's not like in Seattle where you get a couple of days snowstorm or... Or, for, you know, and it's nice for a few days, but then it goes back to normal. Here, this is the normal. And, you know, high temperatures are freezing-ish, low temperatures 20 or even lower. And right now we're getting into a point where our high temperature today is 11 degrees. And it will be basically down to 2 or 1 tonight. And the wind is blowing just enough that it's going to make it absolutely effing miserable to walk out in it. Oh, yeah. So, on that well, happy note... <laughs> Well, you be I go back to school because... tomorrow. Good, good. And well, I drive a bus. The... The... Oh, you're we're in the middle. Of... What? You're in the yeah, middle I of the Arctic vortex. I, I well, we're, but we're not really. We're not getting it as bad as you know. I'm not going to complain for the people that are in Chicago and Minneapolis. But uh, the lowest temperature I've been in here was minus 15, and that was without a wind chill. But. Um, you know, you get down below 20 and a wind chill hits and it's, you know, tough. So these people who's had high temperatures of, you know, 10 below zero and then the wind came in, you know, you're looking at 45, 50, 60 degrees below zero. And that's unfathomable to me. I don't, I'm tempted to want to know what that feels like, but not really. So I felt, I felt what minus 15 feels like and it's bracing to say the least. But to have it be windy and that cold and hitting you, it's, you know, it's just no wonder we can't last long in that. It's just, you know, it's just not right. So, but here, you know, if we put up with winter, we get out of it. You know, it's like in Seattle, you get out of your gray, rainy period in the spring and you're like, ah, it's getting lighter in the day and the things are blooming and blossoming. And it's just, you know, spring is always my favorite anyway. And when it happens here, it usually happens pretty fast. It's not... You know, it's like literally, I think literally last spring, the trees were just budding out. And then we had two days of 50, 60 degrees. And the next thing you know, the leaves are on the trees. And you're like, what the hell? When did that happen? You know, but it's like, yeah. it happens fast here. So, but anyway, I mean, I do like it here. I like the seasons. But, you know, after two months of snow on the ground and dealing with it and having to dress a certain way, you really look forward to not having to do that anymore. And seeing the color green. Green is a lovely color. It is indeed.
Open my